which uh, for some of our retreats in the past, we've needed one uh, quite a lot, so that's good. Uh, um, these guys, weekend warriors, tend to play a little too hard, uh, so I think, I think that's all good. We've, we've been looking at 1 Peter uh, this uh, fall and winter, and uh, today we're up to 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 12. Um, Peter begins this section of the scripture with the word finally, and um, which I, th- I think is an interesting word. When I was in seminary, and we would preach our sermons in homiletics lab, where they dissect your sermons, right, in a lab, uh, they would videotape it, and after the videotape, uh, you would go sit with this lady, uh, really dear southern lady named Miss, Mrs. Bowden, and she would evaluate you on video. And she would say, Peter obviously didn't take her class, because she would say, conclusions, like kisses, are best left unannounced. And so when Peter says, finally, <laughs> he's concluding for us what it is that he's been leading up to. And so um, I think it is a great uh, uh, reminder for us as we, as we come at this that he is summing up in this text and the, the next couple of texts uh, what it is he's been building towards. And so it's, it's good to begin to kind of put these things in context because one of the things that happens to us when we go through um, a book like this, we have to chop it up, you know, into sections to be able to, to do it, but you can miss the whole flow of, of what's going on. So he's been telling these people uh, about a submission, and now he's wrapping up what that, uh, what that means for the whole church. So let me read to you 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. This text uh, is in the bulletin and also up on the screens behind me. Uh, this is God's word, and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days... Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So as as we come at um, at this this text today, there's a couple of things uh, to keep in mind. So Peter... Uh, laid out at the beginning of his book the fact that these exiles are loved by God, elect by God, that they they belong to him, and though they are a tiny, tiny uh, persecuted minority, uh, uh, they have God's full attention. Uh, And then he says to them that there are people that are speaking poorly of the church and are casting aspersions upon its reputation. And so he is urging the people in the church to live a certain way to quiet the criticism. And he did that by beginning to speak to the, to the folks in the, in the church about the issue of submission. He says to submit to the governing authorities. 
He speaks to slaves to submit to their masters, and he speaks to uh, husbands and to wives, uh, and now he is getting to uh, this text where he says, finally, all of you, right? So he's talked to different categories of people in the church, and now he's saying, what I'm saying now is for all of you. This is for everybody to pay attention to. This is for everybody to engage with. This, this is for everybody. So, so it's important for us to, <clears throat> to, to kind of place that uh, in, uh, in the context there. So AJ, go ahead and put that up there. So Pete, he's concluded his teaching on submission and begins the last section of the letter with the word finally. Now, at the very beginning of this text, he uses five adjectives that act really as commands. He says that we are to have unity of spirit, sympathy, brotherly or sisterly love, compassion, and humility. Now, a way to understand this and a way to unpack this instead of this just being a list of of five things, oh no, five more things I've got to do, is to look at it this way. The, The middle one there, brotherly and sisterly love, is kind of the determining thing. That's the big thing. That's the main thing. That that's the, the thing that you should hear about this, and the two above it and the two below it are the way in which you do that, right? So, so unity of spirit, not unanimity, but the fact that when we hear the gospel, when we, when we think about Jesus with all of our diversity and all of our differences, we're united in that because we agree and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? Sympathy, that is, we, we serve one another in our struggles and in our suffering. I've said this many times before, that when there's a death in the church, we show up with pies and casseroles and, 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 and cleaning supplies and, and, and whatever help that we can offer. Um, compassion, that is, when we look around within the church and we see people who are in need we are moved to serve them and to care for them. And then humility, which holds all of this together is, I am willing to take the lower place. I am willing to, to serve rather than to be served. I am, ra- I'm, I am willing even to be invisible and to offer the service uh, if no one even sees or uh, commends it, right? So, so this thing there, that, the, the thing in the middle is what is key and what is most important, and the two above and the two below kind of uh, describe this. So this is primarily about how we treat one another in the church and how then that this spills out uh, to those outside the church, right? It's as if what Peter wants is he wants people outside the church to look inside and to see sympathy and see compassion and see service and see love and see that as something not just that builds the church's reputation so that, that, that it'll shut the, the criticisms or the gossip up about the church, but that what it will actually be attractive and draw men and women and boys and girls to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the, the, the fact of the matter is, what makes this passage hard is not these five adjectives, as hard as that is. But what makes this passage hard is the application of this to those who hurt, insult, or disappoint us. In fact, uh, he says that this attitude toward those who cause us pain is our calling. It's what God's called you to do. You want to know what your calling is in life? Here it is. Suffer for your enemies. (laughs) Isn't that great? 
That's what I came to hear today, right? So um, take, take that down for a second, uh, AJ. So, so here's, here's, here's the thing. Now, a, a, couple of th- a couple of things to note about this is this is, a, this is a very dangerous teaching because we hear these things and we think, you know, I, somehow or other that doesn't apply to me. You know, we, we just finished the section in this book on submission. And I know it was one of the most successful things I've ever preached. You know how I know that? Because all of the people who came to me to say, now that doesn't apply to me, right? There's a caveat to this, right? That, like, that's for that kind of situation, not my situation, right? So awesome. That's how you know you're successful. When people start saying, I heard what you said, and I believe it's true, and it's for somebody else, right? You've all had that experience when you sat here and you think, if so-and-so had just been here today to hear that, it would have been so awesome, right? So, so as, we, as we think about this today, this, this is one of those texts and one of those things that we read and we see and we're like, oh, this, this, is, really, this is really challenging stuff. Now, there are caveats and there are places and there are things for us to keep in mind as we think about what it means to love those who insult us what it means to love those who revile us, what it means uh, to do that. And there, there are things like that. You may want to limit contact with people in those situations so that you can limit their sin, right? You, you may want to find ways to, um, uh, to govern your own language and, and your own thoughts. You may, there, there may be any number of things that you have to do in those situations, but here's the thing. The principle is here. And the principle is, is that the calling of the church is to love its enemies, period. Okay, now, AJ, put my notes back up there. So, so that's what makes this, this, this passage so hard because what he wants us to do is to love those who hurt, insult, or disappoint us, right? And he's, he's, you have to see that he gets at this in two ways. In, in, in verse nine here, he says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called. And then this connects to what he's already said in chapter two, verses 20 and 21. What credit is it if when you, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God, for to this you have been called. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So what Peter's saying is here, listen, the gospel is this rich thing. We recognize that in Jesus Christ, we have every blessing. What we recognize is, is that Jesus Christ lived a life I could never live. He gives to me his perfect obedience and his righteousness. And not only that, he dies for me, taking the punishment that my sin deserves. And not only that, that he connects me to himself in that so that all those things that are true of him become true for me now. And so, the, the, so, the, so I have this rich, rich blessing that he has poured out upon me. And as a result of that, I am strengthened encouraged, empowered, and energized now to live after that pattern of life. 
that, that, that he's not just an example, but that he provides by his example the means whereby I might live like he tells me to live. And so, so as we read this, one of the things that you have to think about this is, is just, just how, how challenging and, 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 and hard this is because the truth of the matter is this should really, really smack us right in the face this morning. What, sometimes what happens to us with biblical texts and what happens to us with these sorts of things is we just kind of pass over them, right? Um, I, I remember uh, years ago uh, when we were trying to start the church and, and we were just beginning it, how many people uh, said encouraging things like, you're never going to be able to do this. <laughs> uh, and what makes you think you can do this? And, and other things like, um, well, my favorite, and I laughed with a friend of mine about this a, a, a few uh, weeks ago. Uh, there was a guy in our presbytery who said to him, how is it that Steve Shelby can plant a church? He's so short. <laughs> now, why didn't he say, how can he do this? He's so selfish. Or why didn't he say he's so covetous? Or why didn't he say he's, he's such, such a, you know, why didn't he talk about that, right? Because those things would have been true, right? The, but, and, and, and actually had some impact and actually been challenging. Listen, I'm short. I can't do anything about that, you know? It just is. I'd like to stretch myself out. Uh, when I was a kid, my mom put a drop of iodine in my milk every morning because we'd read in Parade Magazine that that would stimulate something, make you grow taller. I'm really glad we did that. <laughs> right? And so every time I have the opportunity to see that guy, because I know he said that about me, I, my temptation is to say, ah, short man, got one on you, didn't he? <laughs> right? But the fact is, if Jesus Christ loves me, then my job is to bless and encourage. And in fact, Jesus enables me to do that. And so when we read this text, one of the things that happens to us is we could, we could easily think that's one of those things that's in the Bible that, that doesn't really apply to me. That's, that's one of those things in the Bible that I can sort of slide away from. That's one of those things in the Bible that I, that I don't really have to pay attention to. And I came across this, this comment this, in a commentary that I thought was, 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 really, was really appropriate for us. It says, so while it is obvious that the love, compassion, and humility mentioned above would form a fine basis for this teaching, the instruction itself is based on the teaching of Jesus, Matthew 5, 38 through 48, and Luke 6, 27 through 36, which was taken quite seriously by the early church. <laughs> I mean, Jesus said something and they didn't take it seriously? What is it about this? What is it about this that's like everything that Jesus said, the early church took seriously. But we hear this about loving enemies and we think, oh yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that. I've heard that before. That's in the Bible. That's one of those things, you know, but it's not really practical. And, and, and it's not really helpful. And, and I tried it once, and it didn't work out. You know, they're still a jerk. We'll get to 
why that's, that's off. So I thought, as I came across, go, go back, AJ. So I came across this, this text and I thought, so why is it that um, when, when he, if, you know, they obviously took it seriously. Peter thinks it matters that we're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to love those who insult us, right? And so uh, if it's based on the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 5, 38 through 48, and Luke 6, 27 through 36, that's about 20 verses of scripture. We should read them. So let's read them. Just see what they say. If they took it seriously, maybe we should take it seriously. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn him to him the other also. Now, I've heard people say that really that's, when you turn the other cheek, you're like looking away like you can hit me and I just won't even look at you. And that you're actually disdaining the person who hit you. I don't, that's a dumb interpretation. Because it doesn't go with the rest of what, what he says, right? Um, and if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. You ever heard the phrase, go the extra mile? It's in the Bible. Isn't it great? Give to the one who begs from you and, all, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Um, I hate lending. I would, I would much rather just give somebody something and write it off as a complete loss than to have any expectation that, A, I'm ever going to get my books back that I've lent, or money. We just don't do it. People in our family talk to us about this all the time, and we, we act like we're so poor that no one would ever ask to borrow something from us, right? So you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and, the, and on the unjust. Um, we, that, should, that should cause you a little issue today that the people that you can't stand actually are breathing and God's letting them breathe and it rain, the sun shines on them, and they get to enjoy the warm weather too. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if, if only the good people got to enjoy the good things and the bad people only got to enjoy the bad things, right? I mean, that, that only bad things happen to them and only good things happen to us. And, and there's a religion that, that's about that. It's called karma. It's not in the Bible, okay? Okay. Uh, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Then it even tax, the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Then it even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. I'm really glad after reading this that I don't have a cloak or a tunic, right? That's, 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 that's pretty crazy. So give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? 
For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Do you have a problem with that? He's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. You know, um, one of the things that you need to note about Jesus, it was the good religious people who killed him. And you can see why, right? Because it seems righteous and right for us to be in a situation where we would say, well, well God is, is only uh, uh, kind uh, to the deserving, of which I'm one, and, um, and everybody else uh, is, is a problem. And, and you, you may say, I would never wish that. I want God to be kind to everyone. Well, let me, let me just ask you a question. When was the last time that something bad or difficult or hard happened to someone and it made you secretly glad? Ah, there is a God, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So the calling of the church in the world is to look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, not just to ourselves within the church, but to those who are outside who insult and hurt us, right? So what, what he's saying here is, is that, that this, is, um, this is the way, this is the, the way the gospel changes the good news of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection for us changes the way we think about and the way we handle people who uh, speak poorly of us, right? So... How do we do this? Well, we bless those who insult us because we have been blessed and because we will be blessed. Notice, notice what he says here, right? So do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. So, so the, what he's saying here is, is that our job is to bless those who don't deserve it because that is a lived out parable of the gospel. We read in the scriptures that, that Jesus died for the ungodly. We read in the scriptures that, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might be the righteousness of God, that he is my substitute and that he is my representative and that he did all this for me when I was his enemy. And so that, that, that energizes, that changes my orientation. It doesn't just set an example. It certainly does that. But it changes me. It reorients me. It opens my eyes. It melts my heart to see and to experience the power of the gospel. And so when he says there that we bless those who, who, who hate us and we bless those who persecute us so that we in, in, in turn would obtain a blessing, here's the caveat. You don't love your enemy f- for the blessing that they'll start behaving the way you want them to. 
The blessing that you're looking for here is not necessarily that there's a payoff for you. I'll finally love my enemy and, and this, will, this will, will change them. It may, but the blessing is more profound than that because when we, because Jesus has blessed us when we were far from him, bless those who are our enemies when we speak kindly to them, when we speak gently to them, when we, when we sacrifice for them, we experience the blessing, not just of, wow, I'm better than these people or they're gonna change and do better. We experience the blessing of fellowship with Jesus because this is what Jesus did. This is how he lived. And so I am blessed by living and seeing and fellowshipping with him in his ministry. And so the blessing that I receive uh, is, is not in some kind of immediate payoff or, or some giant trophy somewhere, but it's in my experience deepening my understanding of the love of God for me in Jesus Christ because I, I begin to bless those who are my enemies as I live the gospel the gospel becomes more precious because Jesus becomes more precious to me, right? Next slide. So what is this blessing that he's talking about? Well, primarily here, it's about words because the, the, the words that are, uh, the, the way the enemies deal with us is by the things that they say, reviling, cursing, insulting, right? And so here, the, the blessing that we have is that our words in return to that convey a power and a grace to change lives and hearts. This comes primarily from the fact that Jesus has done this to and for me before I was even thinking of him. The Bible makes it clear that words have power. God says, let there be light, and there's light. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob say blessings over their children, and those words take on life and, and affect the trajectory of their lives. Well, the same thing is true here. When our enemies insult us, when they come to us and, 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 and deride us or revile us, to speak back the words of the gospel, to speak back words of blessing, to say that I'll pray for you, to say that, that I love you, to say, say that Jesus loves you is a way and a manner in which we bear witness to the one who loved us. We bear witness to the one who is for us. And this, this only comes when I see myself first and foremost as being one of these enemies that Jesus died for, right? So Jesus blesses me by his life and his death and his resurrection. And this frees me to live the same pattern of life before and for others. So um, here's what I know. Whenever, whenever we come across a text like this, whenever we, we speak about something like this, like I said, we look for caveats, we look for escapes. The reason why we look for escapes is because this seems really hard and it seems really dangerous, but it's also because every one of us, every one of us, by the way, he said all of you in this text. And I think all means all. That's pretty comprehensive, right? It's, it's not all, but this, here's a category of people over here that this doesn't apply to. It means for all of us, right? Um, we look for caveats in this 
Because not only do you hear how difficult this is, you're thinking of somebody who's your enemy, who you think, Lord, could you mean that I've got to love them? Got to be kind to them? Uh, I've got to... uh, Them? One of the crucibles that God uses in our life to change us and to shape us is we, when we come to that place where we see the grace of the gospel and we hear the imperative of the gospel and all we can say in that situation to God is, help. I need help. He loves that. So what I want to do right now is we're going to take uh, a minute. I have a stopwatch. We're going to take a minute, and you're going to be quiet as much as we're ever quiet as a congregation and ask the Spirit of God to help you believe that Jesus loves you and that the Spirit of God could empower you to love those who revile you and insult you, who are your enemies. And if you think, well, I can't think of anybody like that, then pray for those people who are thinking of you. (laughs) Uh, That God would enable them to love you. Okay? Let's take a second. Lord, we confess that um, we read these words and we hear them and uh, uh, we are challenged uh, by them. And so um, I pray by your grace and by your spirit, you would remind us that uh, you, Lord, have made uh, us your enemies, who were once your enemies, your friends, that by your service, your life, your death, your resurrection, your intercession for us, your care for us, your provision for us has changed us. The word of the gospel has moved us uh, from uh, being your enemies to your friends. And so I pray uh, that that would convict and comfort and energize us today uh, to hear what Peter says about those who revile and insult us. And so I pray that, uh, Lord, this wouldn't just be one of those times where um, we hear this uh, truth and we just move on. I pray that you would con- uh, 
convict us of uh, our lack of love by showing us your great love and then moving us out in love uh, to those who are the most difficult to love. And so we, we pray that you would do that. Lord, I pray today, too, that you would uh, um, <clears throat> deliver us uh, from the self-righteousness uh, that says um, uh, that we can be the judge and that we would entrust uh, uh, our enemies as we love them into your care uh, and into your heart. So bless us today, we pray, uh, with a sense of joy in the gospel uh, that you would have your way in our relationships and in our congregation. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Um,